millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com on today's US Open Round 2 catch-up. Sitsipas wins to a chorus of jeers. Muguruza sets up a heavyweight clash with Azarenka. And Emma Raducanu breezes past Zhang Shui into Round 3. Kim, round two is going on as we record. It's been a very interesting couple of days in New York City at Flushing Meadows. It's There's been lots of matches going on. I wouldn't necessarily say we've had that many upsets, particularly not not really any, I feel, in the uh, in the women's women's tournament. But the number one talking point, I think, particularly for fans, is, and obviously because we're British as well, has been the biblical well seemingly biblical overnight weather that has happened between day three and day four seeing the the pictures on social media this morning i mean it looked really really bad and from a fan perspective it also looked a little bit dangerous yeah i mean rain was coming through the roof of uh louis armstrong stadium which is not good because you know roofs are supposed to keep the rain out aren't they but um poor old kevin anderson and diego schwartzman had to <laughs> move over to ash halfway through and um yeah it was a bit dodgy they've had to delay the start of play today i think to give everything a bit more time to <laughs> to get back to normal to get the court ready um but not not ideal yeah, it was a bit of a miracle to get that match finished, I think, at 1am. I mean, obviously not ideal for players, but not ideal for fans either, because I think the subway system had been shut down because of how bad the weather was. And it left the, it left a lot of fans, I think, you know, who were reliant on public transport thinking, uh, you know, how am I going to get home? And again, some of the stories I've been reading on, on social media, it was, it just sounded like all out chaos and, Anyone trying to leave Arthur Ashe at the best of times is quite a difficult situation. But to do it when there's a a massive storm going on, it was chaotic. There was food stands flying about. You know, it really felt like a scene from like a a disaster movie. Well, it was the remnants of, I think, Hurricane Ida or Ida. Mm. Um, And I think, yeah, they've had like absolutely record breaking amounts of rain in a very short space of time. So um, hopefully the worst of it is, you know, past them all um because it's not not pleasant having to cope with all of that but um i think the tournament's done very well to to get back on track and uh, kerber is is just you know about to finish her match which was supposed to be last night so they've managed to catch up but um perhaps let's start um and go back joel where we kind of left off uh, in our in our last catch-up pod because we recorded that kind of prior to the night session on day two, um, which was the Novak Djokovic first round match against uh, Holger Rune. And that was, you know, quite a par for the course match, I suppose. Kim, don't you mean Holger Rune? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, yes, and that that was probably the most interesting thing from the match was that Novak <laughs> kind of thought the crowd were booing him when in actual fact they were just cheering for his opponent, um, which like you just did so very well, Joel. Uh, it sounds a bit like a boo if, if you're saying it in quite a low tone. So Novak was a bit kind of irked at the crowd I thought they were booing um but then you know he said that he's used to that and therefore didn't really bother him too much uh so I thought that was quite a, an amusing moment from that match I don't think he did his signature gesture to the crowd uh to each of the each of the sides after the match because I think he was yeah he thought he was in like a, a quite a confrontational situation with the crowd who yeah were at times were very I think they were very impressed by Rune you know for a lot of those fans they probably would have not really heard much about him and they may have may have heard that he was sort of breaking on you know getting some wild cards here and there onto the, the ATP circuit but you know to keep to see him come out and really push Djokovic particularly in that second set where he nicked it on a, on a tie break was, was really, really impressive. And I, you know, I was, I was not actually expecting that. I was a little bit surprised. I thought he might be overawed by the situation and it might, you know, he might fall very meekly in, you know, less than 90 minutes, but you know, the fact that it was one set all after, you know, however long it was, that was, that was very, very impressive from a, a guy who, has had, you know, relatively little experience, not just on, you know, at the Grand Slam stage, but just generally on the the ATP ATP circuit. Yes, but Joel, what's the point in getting a set if you're then just gonna, you know, lose the next two, six two, well, six one? Yeah. I mean, I think that's yes, it's great he got a set, but then he did absolutely nothing in the mm. other three. So um Kim, he is eighteen years old. I mean, you know, I think he, he obviously put a lot of effort and you know, I think he was a little bit inspired, I think, by, you know, the crowd who were giving him so much support. And maybe, just maybe, Kim also, he had his he had his lucky IKEA blue bag with him to uh to give him some luck as well. Yeah, I can't believe that. I mean I mean, <laughs> A, he's not actually Swedish, he's Danish, so yeah. slightly wrong uh, country, unless he has some kind of Swedish heritage and obviously their their neighbours are very close. But um yeah, I was loving the IKEA bag, I have to say. Um I hope he had some meatballs inside or some dame <laughs> dame chocolate or something. Maybe this is just a thing we just don't know. And, and maybe he's going to be sparking a trend now at, at club level with tennis players just, you know, they're going to leave their Wilson kit bag behind and they're just going to walk on court with their like low key, their low key Ikea blue bag, which does the job, I guess, for any occasion, including uh, walking on to Arthur Ashe in the night session. Well, exactly. If it does for Holgeroon, it can do for most people. So, <laughs> um, but yes, it was a, it was an interesting first round match. Not sure what we've got to expect from Talon Griegsport against Novak mm. tonight, but um, that is that's yet to happen as we are recording this. I mean, just just very quickly, in all seriousness. I mean, are you worried at all by the fact that you know Novak obviously dropped that second set? I mean, it looked it looked pretty serene from him. You know, he was what six one four three up, and then. You know, in a flash, he was he was one set all, and yes, it, it turned. It was it was quite it's quite comfortable in the end in in four sets. But is that any cause for concern? Do you think for for Novak fans the fact that it did go to four sets in the first round? Um, I mean, I think he just threw in a bad game, really, and and then he was sort of completely back on track. You know, from the start of the third set, so not really. Um, it's not ideal. You obviously want to get the job done in straights, but you know, it's a bit like the Jack Draper match. I think in the first round of Wimbledon, you know, he got a set, didn't he? And that didn't seem to phase Djokovic for the rest of the tournament. So, um, <laughs> I don't think that it should be of of too much concern. Uh, to be quite honest with you, no, he's still you know the the hot hot favorite. Whatever anyone else is up to, I I don't see 
you know, I don't see his odds really slipping much um, just yet. Anyway, not from what we've seen. I think it was a situation where, like, I think everyone went home happy. You know, the fans went home happy because they got you know, got to cheer on someone that they weren't really expecting much of. Probably got a little bit longer out of a match they were probably expecting to only really go, you know, an hour and a half. And um, you know, Novak Djokovic also got a little bit more time on the tennis court to uh, you know fine tune his game, given that he's you know not really had a lot of preparation. So um, yeah, I would actually almost go to go as far as saying Rune was actually the big winner there given the the platform that he had he took his moment and i think you know a lot more people now will obviously be aware of his name and maybe be looking at how he you know how he goes on in the, in the future and especially i think you know scandinavian tennis is i think particularly on up at the moment we'll you know we'll come on to later with Casper Rude, who did go out, but um, you know, certainly I think with Rune as well, Scandinavian tennis is definitely got a couple of really, really solid prospects that um could be, you know, could be mainstays at the the topper end of the ATP rankings in in future seasons. You mean Freddie Nilsson isn't uh, <laughs> you know still up there, one to look out for. Well, he was probably looking for someone to pass the baton on to, Kim. They wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he was the trailblazer. <laughs> well, I mean, um, you've also got Clara Torsen as well, who obviously went out to Ash Barty today. But it really does feel at the moment that Scandinavian tennis is is witnessing, uh, you know, is, is in good health at the moment. Indeed. Uh, but let's have a look back at the rest of... Well, we'll get on to day three in a second, but just one result that I was a bit annoyed about from that same night uh, Then we finished recording, and that was Pablo Carreño Busta, Olympic bronze medalist, going out to Maxime Cressy, uh, who has subsequently lost today. Um, yeah, Pablo had four match points, double faulted on one of them. Um, it was not 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 a pleasant sight to watch, uh, but obviously the crowd were going wild because Cressy's American. Um, so that was all happening. And Martin Fushkovitz and Andreas Seppi, they had a last set tie break. Seppi came through that and is actually, again, playing as we speak against Herkaj and is two sets to one up. So, yeah. gosh, Seppi is... Two sets to one and a breakup. So... Yeah. Wowza. He just, he just seems to be the man. He's just like... He's just taking over the Ivo Karlovic role, isn't he? He's just like every... I don't really know what he does between Grand Slams, but he always just seems to be there <laughs> making it through qualifying into a main draw and giving, you know, using his experience and just getting the job done. And against someone like Marton Fucevic, who, you know, is a very dangerous character on his day to, you know, to compete and defeat him, you know, in four plus hours was a, a very, very solid effort. But, you know, just going back to, to PCB, because it's not really been a great time, has it, for the, uh, you know, the a medalist um, from Tokyo, the singles medalist in terms of the men. I mean, you look at uh, Kachinov as well as uh, a PCB, mm. Kachinov was the silver medalist, both out, both early on. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, they played the Olympics and they've been tired. And as a result, you know, this this has happened because I think there's obviously been s- substantial time between the two. But, um, you know, it was not a it was a very un uncharacteristic like performance from PCB because you don't you don't really associate him with sort of you know choking or you know being in a really commanding position and, and then letting it slip but you know an opponent like Cressy someone he probably has had very little awareness of and you know wasn't really sure how maybe how he was going to play maybe Cressy was able to just he was just able to find a way I I read I gather that he's he loves a bit of serve and volley and um 
I think that really helped him during the match and the fact that he was able to also play and play you know, really competitively under really intense pressure, saving match points also helped his cause to get to round two. Yeah, and PCB was obviously very frustrated, smashed his racket massively mm. at the end. Um, you know, he's the he's the semi-finalist from last year, so yeah. he's going to lose quite a few points. And, you know, he would have been wanting to um, to go deep again because actually he's been the semi-finalist here twice. So this is his, by far his best slam. And yeah, normally he comes through the early rounds generally without too much of, of a fuss. So um, bit of a bit of an upset there, to say the least, and a shame for Spanish tennis. Uh, but we've still got we've still got a few Spanish hopes. Um, but let's have a look at uh, day three proper because um, we also had a couple of guys making a bit of a name for themselves. Uh, names that are normally associated i guess with the challenger tour to be quite honest with you because we had alex molkan uh coming through against brandon nakashima <laughs> who i had tipped to go on a bit of a run yep. and that obviously didn't happen um molkan came through in four sets um to to beat nakashima which was a an excellent win and i was a bit you know shocked i was thinking who on earth is alex molkan where has he come from but actually he's had quite a decent year he's won a challenger title he got to the final of a 250 uh, on the atp tour he's you know he's got a couple of wins over top 100 players he's qualified you know for the, his first grand slam here so like this is his kind of i guess breakout season and it's it's going very well so far in in new york yeah, listeners might remember he was the guy who lost to Novak Djokovic in the ATP 250 final in Belgrade 2 um, earlier on in the season. But yeah, he's been sort of living on the on the challenger circuit, doing really, really well. But yeah, it it's it was a bit of a, you know, for me, it was a little bit of a surprise because Nakashima took out John Isner in round one. I was sort of saying that John Isner had passed the torch to Nakashima with that match. Well, Kim, I want to take the torch back from Nakashima if he's going to go and, and lose to, to Alex Molkan. No, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was quite surprising. I don't know, for example, if, you know, a big, a big serve like John Isner has, it obviously Nakashima was just a lot, a lot, e- it was a lot easier for him to deal with than, the Alex Molkan serve, which I understand, you know, he is a lefty, which might make, may have made things awkward for Nakashima. But, um, yeah, you would have, I, I think Nakashima would have been disappointed that given that he took out a player in, you know, in the form and the, of the experience that Isna is, and we know Isna as to go on and then lose to, to Molkan is, was, I think a bit of a, bit of a frustrating match for him. Yeah, and actually, I think that was five sets. I apologise, I, th- I said four earlier. It was mm. a five-setter. Um, we had a four-setter between Botic, van der Zandschulp and Kasper Ruud. And yeah, Botic, van der Zandschulp won that one, um, knocking out Kasper Ruud, who I think, you know, is, is a top 10 seed for obviously the first time in, in his career. And, you know, we've seen van der Zandschulp around and about you know he's got a fantastic surname to, to start with so uh he's definitely one i notice a lot in in draw sheets but interestingly he's now got more wins at grand slams than he actually does on the atp tour so he clearly just turns up for the big occasion doesn't he <laughs> he has come through qualifying i don't think he has won the first set of his of any of his matches he's played in in new york yet and it's been really He's been really, really impressive about the, you know, his fighting spirit, I think, to just gut it out and, and come through these, come through these matches. Uh, he's, ne- he's played nearly 10 hours, um, on court to get to, um, you know, even just to get to round two. So, uh, sorry, before he got to round two. So, you know, very, very, very impressive. And, you know, to take out Kasparud, who, you know, was all, you know, he had all those, those, you know, 
<laughs> had all those tournament wins on the on the clay whilst you know, everyone was at the Olympics. He would have had you know very good confidence. You know, he got to two quarterfinals as well. Um, you know, in the Rogers Cup in Cincinnati. You know, to take him out that's a very impressive scalp, I think, to to have on his um you know on his cv and you know i think there are still question marks in terms of casper rude and i think one of those questions is that you know the speed of the court and how you know can he deal with it because i get the feeling that us open this year is playing a lot quicker than um you know in previous years and i think we particularly see that on the show courts but also on these courts as well and i i think i don't think that helped him in terms of finding a rhythm versus you know his matches on the clay court earlier in the season where he's obviously got a lot more time he can pick his shots construct the point it doesn't feel like he gets that time in new york and he still is there and and needs to sort of adjust to it and i think that was probably one of the reasons why we were kind of looking at him as the eighth seed and thinking is he really the eighth seed is that is that is that legit because i still think there's areas of his game that he certainly needs to work on I'm sure Nick Kyrgios will be smirking somewhere at the fact that he's lost because, you know, he he was belittling Casper Ruud's uh, clay court titles earlier in the summer. And, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, Casper Ruud still has, yeah, a lot, a lot of work to do on a hard court and, and at slams as well, I think. So, um, but we'll give him time. He's he's still young. Um, but one player, Joel, um, who has come through without too much for fanfare. In fact, I think we both sort of forgot that this match had happened. And that was Dan Evans um, coming through in four sets against Marcus uh, Giron. So Dan Evans is into the third round, which is fantastic, especially given his difficult summer, you know, having Mm. COVID and everything. I think he's done really well to kind of justify his his seeding. Um, And he's got Alexi Popper in next, who... Um, Well, he won against Dimitrov, who, who sadly had to retire in the last set. But, you know, that... That is quite a tough match for Dan, but I think he has a chance to go, you know, oh, def- even further definitely. to the fourth round. So, I definitely think both those players will feel that is is winnable. You know, I think the winner plays Medvedev, so you know that will be a, a much trickier affair for whoever wins that. But yeah, certainly very very nice and very pleasing. I think to see Evans come through and show form in round three. I mean, let's be honest. I think we would, this was probably the least expected thing. I think we were sort of looking at you know with with regards to him given given what we've seen in you know his form at grand slams in in recent seasons given the you know the covid situation he found himself in and the fact that he's i think had to use some of these matches to regain that form but i think certainly in the first you know the first couple of rounds he's looked very very good and even in the slightly precarious situations where i've kind of thought oh he's just gonna it's it's going to get away with him, get away from him, or you know he's going to lose the momentum completely. He's really kind of fought hard and, and stuck at it, and yeah, it's been impressive to see him come through to to round three. Yeah, it's almost a shame he's not in a slightly different section of the draw because mm. we've got quite a few other like qualifiers um, playing against each other. We've got um, yeah. Henry Laxonen, Peter Gojewicz, um Who else has come through? I mean, not a qualifier, but we've got Facundo Bag- Bagnis. Um, so all sorts of other names in this in this sec- this in this half of the draw that perhaps you wouldn't have been expecting to come through, but all you know perfectly deserving of of their place, and perhaps one of them can go even further. Some certainly some yeah. new names I've I've never seen ba- Bagnis Bag Bagni play. So there's certainly a part of the draw, isn't there, where we, I think it's particularly in the the Schwartzman 
section mm. where it's it's opening up for someone you do feel like it's open for Diego Schwartzman to be honest he's the established player there he's not really done a lot this season not even really much on the on the clay so you feel like he's got a moment in him and he might be the one to take advantage to you know get that one of those secure one of those quarterfinal slots but it is interesting that quite a few qualifiers are doing well and I think um, you know, at the time of recording I think we've got four qualifiers into the third round of the US Open. And that's only the second time that has happened since the year 2000. Last time that happened was 2017. So it just shows you that, you know, some of the players turning up for qualifying round one, they're doing really, really well. And, you know, they're, they're coming through into the main draw and making inroads. I mean, Oscar Otter as well. I think he's he's playing at the moment and winning. He could also could join himself on that list uh, today. I'm quite pleased to see him having a good run because, you know, he did so fantastically well at, at Wimbledon. He had that epic match with Andy Murray yeah. with the crowd, you know, so it's nice to see him continuing his his good form because what, you know, what we saw of him at Wimbledon was amazing. Mm. So that's nice to see. I mean, Sitsipas will be hoping that he definitely is, is on for the quarters at least because Sitsipas is in a sort of definitely winnable little section of the draw and he came through against Manorino uh, yesterday, but there were quite a few um, jeers from the crowd. It's fair to say he took he took another toilet break, which was quite a long one uh, in the middle of the match. I think Manorino had to sort of start, um, you know, hitting some balls hitting while he was waiting, yep. yeah, for Sitzpass to come back out onto court. So the crowd were sort of making the most of that and uh, you know booing him a little bit because of the antics against uh, Andy Murray. I mean, yeah, for some people it will feel amazing that he went and did something that caused everyone to go up in arms and you just did it again you know like nor- like normal um just talking on manorino i actually thought that was the that was the right thing to do in terms of you know pick up some balls go to the back of the court and do some serves because i think if you just sit down and you you just let it eat at you i think that's sort of what happened to, to andy murray and i think if you if you put your focus on something else like you know just warming up and and you know, just focusing on you know your own play, I think that is a more sort of positive move to make. But yeah, it still wasn't it still wasn't great, and I still think even though Sissipas is playing really good tennis, uh, you know, this week so far, you know, he hit I think a career high twenty seven aces in his his win against Manorino. We're still talking about his uh, his toilet breaks, and it's it's sort of I think detracting from the tennis now because Kim, we can't keep. Every Sissipas match, we can't keep talking. The first thing we talk about, it just can't be the his uh, you know mid match bathroom break. No, I did wonder if he deliberately went for a, another long one to make it seem like it wasn't a tactical thing, and that he just normally takes that long in the loo. But because actually, I was thinking, wouldn't that justify? I, I'd not justify him doing it, but wouldn't that make it seem like it was just a normal thing? Oh, I you know if he's kind of always taking that long rather than it being because he was working out how to beat Andy Murray but I don't know I, I mean I'm sure Manorino wasn't really getting under his skin that much um if so but we'll have to we'll have to observe it but let, let's hope yeah I think toilet toilet talk should kind of be over probably after this match now we should have like a swear jar equivalent for every time we have to bring up uh bring up bathroom break because it, it has literally been I think every you know a lot of players have, have weighed in on on the debate and uh yeah I think it's gonna get maybe it's not it's not old. It's not old enough yet. Uh, it's not tired enough yet. Um, the one worry I have is that it, 
you know, there was, yeah, it was probably a way that this could have been dealt with. And maybe, you know, someone from the ATP or the US Open or you know, whoever it is spoke to the Sissipas camp and just, you know, gave them a little bit of a guidance or, or instruction. But I just have this feeling that we're going to get a high profile match involving Sissipas later on in the tournament and it is going to kick off massively because we're already talking about it now. He's got, he's going to have more high, higher profile matches to come. And if he's going to become up against another character that is going to combust or is going to vent that anger, it could, you know, with the US Open crowd already latched on and, uh, you know, alert to this behavior, you know, it could turn into a Nick Kyrgios situation, couldn't it? It could. And if it's in like the final or the semi-final, mm, yeah. then yeah, that could, could be quite a dramatic scenes out on, out on Arthur Ashe. But, um, yeah. And, and I know people have also been having a go at Zverev for having his two cents worth because they're, you know, people were saying he's just, you know, how dare he get involved when he's obviously just trying to distract from all of the, Deflect, you know, domestic yeah. violence, um, allegations. And so, you know, you can't win either way, uh, sometimes. But, um, I mean, let's just quickly round up the other results from that side of the draw because we had Medvedev coming through in straight sets, uh, Rublev coming through in four sets. Um, he's got a very interesting third round now against Francis TFO, who's looked really good this tournament. Um, I've got TFO to win that one, actually. Um, yeah. I'd... So, hmm, not too well, sure. <laughs> not... Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. TFO in his, his uh, press conference after his match against Pella said that, he, you know, when the draw sheet came out, he was he was gunning. He was gunning for this match in round three. So he must feel really confident, uh, you know, with regards to how he's playing at the moment. And to be honest, the way he was playing, I caught a little bit of the, the, fi- the third set against uh, Pella. He looked very very good and I feel like he feels right at home in New York and you know coming up against Rublev who again is playing similarly is playing very good tennis I still feel he's going to give Tiafo a chance and again I think uh, you know uh, one of the stories of Tiafo's career is that I think he he is able to work chances but whether he's able to take them is another question uh but at the moment I do feel like this is a, a very finely balanced uh matchup that could go either way and I would not be surprised if it if we end up in a, a fifth set tie break well wouldn't that be something uh, <laughs> um and then we've got Felix Ojeda-Sim going strong he's got RBA next um and that could be a five setter and I'm intrigued, actually, just going back to Sitsipas, he's got Carlos Alcaraz next. So I'm really pleased to see Alcaraz, you know, coming through to the third round. I'm hoping he can make a match of it against Sitsipas. Yeah, that would be a fascinating encounter. Another probably one of the highlights, I think, of round three, along with that Rublev versus Tiafo encounter. Moving on to the women's uh, the women's side of, of day three. I mean, Kim, I-, I said at the beginning, we've not really had a lot of upsets, I feel, of top seeds you know, on the women's side. But we have had, you know, what I thought was a bit of a surprise victor when I woke up this morning. And that was in the match between Coco Goff and Sloane Stevens. Now, I had Coco Goff as the slight favourite uh, against Sloane Stevens. You can never obviously count out, um, you know, a former Grand Slam champion. But, uh, you know, the manner of the victory uh, from Sloane Stevens, 6-4, 6-2, 66 minutes. It was, you know, it was the scoreline, I think, that, that shocked me the most because a Goff has been improving a lot this season and Stevens has been improving, but, you know, started the season in such a, in not a, you know, not, not a positive, not a good mindset. But for Stevens to really bring it, it really shows that whenever she steps out on the court, you don't really know what Stone Stevens you're going to get. But at the moment, it seems like she's been able to, 
to put everything to put everything together. Yeah, I mean, she was kind of putting something together at the French Open a little bit, wasn't she, mm. earlier on this year? And sort of stalled a, a bit. But um, yeah, like, I don't think there's any shame in Coco Goff losing to Stevens. You know, she is a, a slam champion. This was the first time they'd actually played. And, you know, Coco Goff is still 17, so plenty of time. Um, Stevens has now got Kerber. So, like we were saying, if Stevens is going to keep going on a bit of a roll, she's literally got to come through, you know, a very, very tough draw um, from, from the word go, really, that she's had. So, I think, yeah, with Stevens, I just don't want to get carried away because I think, like, <laughs> I could totally see her getting to the final because she's won this tournament before, but I could also see her getting thrashed by Kerber. It's yeah. really hard to know, but her serve worked really well against Goff. Um, it was a very comfortable victory. I did think it would be closer than it would, but I think Stevens was just on it in every aspect. And maybe Goff was a bit kind of like not expecting that. Maybe she went into it perhaps underestimating her opponent a little bit. I mean, Stevens served at 84% for the match um, and held at love in five of her nine service games. So it just shows you the level that she was able to bring in terms of a serve. I mean, in terms of Goff, I think, you know, a lot of the, you know, particularly watching the highlights, I think there's still things that she can improve on. You know, she's not the, obviously she's not the finished article yet. She's only 17 years old. Um, but certainly I think from her ground strokes, her forehand definitely, I think, could be a bit, bit str- a bit stronger and that maybe is something that she can work on but um you know i think it's you know it steps in the right direction certainly for both of them and you know I've, i was looking i think at, at you know the people that coco goff has lost to um at grand slams this year she's lost to some pretty high caliber opponents i think she lost to kachikova earlier on in in the season um at one of the slams so you know i, I just think you know this was a this was a hard match for her and i think sloan stevens is her most dangerous when you know, she doesn't have any any pressure on her really, and it was sort of it's sort of interesting. This you know, the, you know, Americans, no Serena, no Venus. I'm not really sure who's you know the the you know who's the who's the favorite. Is it Stone Stevens or is it is it Danielle Collins? Is it is it someone else? I'm I'm not sure, but certainly I think Stone Stevens has produced some of the the more eye eyebrow raising tennis from the the Americans so far. Absolutely. And perhaps another player who doesn't have that much pressure on her is, is Simona Hallett because, you know, she's kind of just coming back from injury and perhaps is still struggling with, with something as well. Um, she came through against Kukova to make the third round. Um, she's got a match up with Rybikina, which will be, you know, I guess, I, I guess the Georgie match in the first round was a tough test, but mm. Rybikina perhaps will be even tougher. So, uh, but I feel like, you know, we're just not expecting too much of Hallett because she is just kind of nope. coming back. So she's probably in quite a good like mental state, I, I would think, um, the fact that we're not expecting her to, to do wonders like we would or perhaps at Roland Garros. So um, she's through. And we've also got a very exciting third round, which we were all hoping to see um, when the draw was made. <laughs> and that is Victoria Azarenka against Garbina Muguruza. Uh, they both came through against Jasmine Paolini and Andrea Petkovic, respectively. So that is absolutely, that's got to be, what, the night match tomorrow? You'd think so. Yeah, you would think to. so. I mean, Grand Slam champion versus Grand Slam champion. There's no, yeah, there's no denying that. I mean, just, to, you know, with the, you know, their wins in, in round two. I mean, Muguruza, I think, looked a bit better than Azarenka in her defeat of, of Petkovic. That was a, particularly that first set, that was really high quality stuff. And it was really nice to see Petkovic, um, you know, one of the, the veterans, I think, on the tour, 
um she came out with an instagram post afterwards that was really nice and kind of captivated the you know the 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 feeling of of going out and and playing you know with someone like a, a Muguruza and and the fact that because of that she had to you know raise her level and the tone of her message made it sound like she was almost a little bit surprised how well you know she would she played in her defeat but at the same time it gave her that tingly feeling in, in quote unquote that uh, is the reason she keeps playing even though I think she's you know what I think like 34 years old so you know really 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 nice you know coming together I think of, of those two at the net but um, yeah it's going to be an interesting matchup I mean Azarenka she <laughs> against Paulini I mean that second set I mean it was 6-3-7-6 that second set uh, Azarenka I felt like sometimes she wanted to open the door to Paulini to like hey do you want do you want do you want the second set and then there were other moments. So she's like, "No, you're not. You're not having this second set." It was, yeah, you know, it was very dicey until that tiebreak where you know she was just like she she finally put her foot down and was like, "Right, I'm winning this tiebreak, and I am setting up that mouthwatering matchup uh, against Bugaruthu in round three. Yeah, I do sometimes think that Azarenka can be woefully inconsistent, and I do wonder <laughs> if Muguruza will be the the one that has the most consistency uh, tomorrow when when they face off. But um, we've got also at the bottom of that draw. Danielle Collins, you know, who was on a bit of a roll earlier this summer against Arena Sabalenka. That has got to be a high volume match uh, <laughs> for sure, I think, between those two. Are you going to bring some earmuffs to, to that match if you're a fan? Actually, we should probably warn any of our listeners, if you are going to that match, you probably you probably would need uh, some sort of yeah earbuds, headphones, whatever. Yeah, but I've that's just going to be, yeah, decibels and a lot of aggro I think uh well if Collins is up to her usual form especially I expect that well I mean Collins I think Collins in a, a round two match she was she was pretty subdued as 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 Collins goes so maybe she was just keeping it bottled up uh for bigger fish to fry potentially with Sabalenka I mean it is it is a match that I think Collins is going to need the crowd. If she wants to win it, I think she's going to need to get the crowd involved and on her side. Because I think if she does that, it might G her up. But I also think it might it might make Sabalenka just implode. You know, we've seen that happen before. And I think, it, again, it might be a really good test of, of Sabalenka's maturity on a tennis court because you do feel like it will be it will be Sabalenka against the world uh, on whatever court that gets played on. Yeah. I mean, the other matches as well, perhaps on the surface, don't look as, you know, close. But I think Osaka against Leila Annie Fernandez, that would be quite an interesting one. Osaka didn't even have a second round match to play because her opponent withdrew beforehand. Um, and Fernandez has came through a quite a close one against Kaya Kanepi. Um, but I'm just intrigued to see how, you know, whether that kind of not having the second round will have kind of, disrupted Osaka like perhaps she actually would have been better off playing a match to get more more rhythm um and then Krachikova like no one's really talking about her but we know how fantastic she's been over the last <laughs> few months and she in every tour when it when she has lost she's always lost to the eventual champion so mm. she is not you know she's not hard to uh she's not easy to beat I should say because two of those losses came to Barty so um I think she's you know she's one to uh to look out for that no one's really talking about why is no one really talking about her? Well, she's this is her 20, debut she's still. Seven of her past thirty matches, and I know it's crazy. This is her U.S. Open debut. main draw debut, but we should be talking about her a bit more because, again, I, I've, I'm expecting big things from her, and 
you know, she she was saying, I think that she is in been a bit. You know, this these last few months, she's been in a little bit of disbelief. You know, she thought she would her level would dip. Um, you know, after what she did at the, the French Open, but that seemingly hasn't happened. And you know, she's been into round three. She's sorry, she's she's got into round three with relatively little fuss. And yeah, it's again, it's she's <laughs> she's just. You know, she's just she's just carrying on, and again, she'll be, be she'll be another threat, I think, going into well, potentially into the second week. Yeah, one to watch, Danger Woman. Um, right, we're going to take a quick break now, but do join us in the second half. We'll be looking back on all the results so far from today, day four at the US Open. So do not go anywhere. <laughs> This is The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And now we are going to move on to look at today's results, Joel, which um, they they started an hour late because of the, you know, the the hassle last night, the rain and everything. So we haven't had, and we haven't had too much today. A lot of women's matches, though, already completed, um, including a certain Emma Raducanu, who was up against Zheng Shui of China. Um, she came through this in straight sets. It was relatively comfortable. It was um very confident performance from Raducanu. She was by far the better player. Um, they played, actually, the, these two kind of quite recently and um, Raducanu lost. Yeah. yeah. So it was a complete turnaround from from that performance. And actually, in the whole of her five matches, you know, her three quality rounds and two main draw rounds, she's yet to, to drop a set, which is brilliant. Uh, you know, she's proving that when it comes to the slams, she... She is not frightened of of anyone. She's just getting on with it, and um, yeah, really impressive. It's sort of she seems to keep impressing with with every sort of match that she plays at the moment. Yeah, I know exactly, and it's it's um it's amazing to think that you know six events ago she she was ranked three hundred and sixty one in the world, and now you know she's pushing on, uh, you know, up and around the top hundred. I think you know with this victory, she's uh, a hundred and sixteen. She obviously could go further. I think what was so impressive about today's victory was that you know the was was you know the complete turnaround it was from their match in San Jose, where you know. Radicani was there on a wild card, fell, you know, quite convincingly, let's be honest, to uh, Zhang Shui. And the fact that she, you know, she has improved, she has come on leaps and bounds. That I think what surprised me is the the quickness and the 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 rapidness of that improvement. And, you know, it's clear that she's you know willing to learn and, you know, you know, update and tweak her game. And I think this was just proof of that. The fact that she was able to come out and effectively do what Zhang Shui did to her in San Jose, but do it on a bigger stage um, is very, very impressive. And, you know, the one, the one thing I would love to see is I just hope, Kim, that I have this fee- feeling that she plays better on the outside courts. I think that she loves, you know, the intimacy and, you know, having the, the those those sorts of crowds out there sort of cheering for you, which they seem to be doing in, you know, in New York. I don't, I don't think I want to see her just yet, maybe on the, the main, you know, on the biggest stage of all, like a, you know, a first on Ash or on, on Louis Armstrong, because, you know, I don't, I don't want us to get into a situation like we had, you know, at, at Wimbledon, um, you know, when she was on you know, centre court against Tomjanovic. And I just wonder, yeah, if, she, if you, we could just keep her under, you know, under the, under the radar on the outside court she's doing her thing i know she's got sara cerebes tormo uh you know next round um i think 
yeah, I think that will help her. But certainly she does. She just loves playing at a Grand Slam. You know what? In a Grand Slam main draw at the moment. Yeah, I think Sarara Sarimis Tormo, that will be a good match. But I don't, I don't think that will be on, you know, a main, main court. But no. if whoever wins that will probably most likely face Ash Barty. So they're going to have to get onto a big stadium at some point with, <laughs> with that one. But um, I think, you know, Eber just needs to take it a round at a time and just focus on the next match. Um, Sarimis Tormo is a very tough opponent. Like, you know, she came through against Mukaveri in the first round. So she's having doable? a... I think it's doable, but Cerebus Tormo, you know, is having, you know, her, the, the year of her tennis career as well so far. So, uh, but, you know, I, I've, I, I, I'm going to need certainly... a lot of patience, I think, with yeah. someone like Cerebus Tormo. I think, yeah, Raddy Kani will need more, I think, patient, you know, she will need to play the waiting game at some point because we know, yeah, Cerebus Tormo is such a tough, tough player that is, you know, that Spanish grit that I think we all associate with, you know, particularly on the men's side with players like Rafa, but certainly she uh, is a very tough nut to crack. And I think Radicani will do well. It feels like, Kim, it's going to go three sets like all of Cerebes Tormo's matches. Um, so it could be, you know, it, it could get into a bit of a war of attrition. I think Radicani will do well. I think her game plan will make sure it doesn't turn into a street fight because think if it does, that probably you'd say would favour someone like Cerebus Tormo. Yeah, I feel like the longer it goes on, um, the more perhaps it may favour Cerebus Tormo. I think Radicano's got to be up for, yeah, a dog fight. But um, we will see. <laughs> I, that'll be, I'm hoping that that maybe is like first on, because I think maybe that helps Emma as well. She's sort of straight out first on. No, no, not too much hype. Um, and actually, hopefully if she's she's away from, you know, home she's getting less kind of media attention than when it was Wimbledon so maybe she's a bit calmer as well um but let's look at what other results we've had so far today Ash Barty is through against Clara, Clara Torson um bit of a sort of similar match to the to her first round like much closer second set um compared to the first set but um you know still straight straight through in straight sets uh has got Shelby Rogers or Castella next so Barty you know still looking strong but um, Benchich is is also in her section. I mean, they would be potentially meeting in the quarters. Benchich is through as well. Straight sets over Trevisan. Um, she's playing very well. Uh, I feel like she, although she's the Olympic champion, perhaps she's not got, you know, she hasn't got that much pressure on her. People aren't really talking too much about her. And yet she, this is her, her best slam. Like she's been to the semis here before. So... That is uh, potentially on for a Benchich Barty quarter still, which would be yeah. quite exciting. <laughs> I feel like we're not going to be talking about Belinda Benchich at all until that match with yeah. Barty <laughs> in the quarters where, you know, she potentially could, you know, win that because she's playing with a lot of confidence at the moment. And you know, the draw that she's got and the, the manner of victories that she's producing, you, you feel like that is, you know, <laughs> all roads are sort of pointing to that quarterfinal at the moment. Well, Iga Svontek might have something to say about that because um, she had a bit of a, a fight today. She was a set and two love down to Fiona Ferro, but she managed to come through a uh, second set tie break and then she bageled Ferro in that third set. So she was struggling quite a bit. She was a bit inconsistent, but she managed to do enough to um, to come through and obviously ran away with that third set. So tough battle today. She's going to have a very tough third round against Contivate to who won uh, tennis in the land uh, recently and came through against Teichman, who's also been in good form. So that will be um, 
tough for Shviontek. And yeah, I'm not convinced by what I've seen from from Shviontek, but obviously she is a Grand Slam champion. And if she pulls out performances like she did, you know, when she won the French Open, never say never. But we also had uh, Paola Badosa, Joel, who I believe you predicted to get to the semi-finals, and she's out. Um, she lost to Vavara Gracheva in uh, straight sets, I think it was. So not not the best for for Badosa, who you obviously were hoping might have gone on a bit of a run. I, th- I think, yeah, I think injury, I think her arm, which I don't think was 100% going into the tournament, uh, helped. But yeah, um, massive credit to Grasheva for coming through that because that was probably the upset so far. And yeah, a bit a bit disappointing for Bedosa, but it might, it, I think it was just, you know, she has played a lot of tennis recently and um, is quite a quite a difficult opponent and, you know, she has done, you know, she, she likes to perform at the US Open. I think that's now back-to-back third rounds for her um and given her ranking that's you know that's pretty impressive stuff but she's got Pavlichenkova next who again has been a very been very very solid so far and again will be a very very tough player I think to come through because I think we know with Pavlichenkova she's just so solid she's got so much experience behind her and again it's very impressive to see her kind of carry on that form um you know that she showed earlier in the season uh you know on, particularly on the clay you know the french open doing it on the, the hard courts at the us open she will be i think another another tough competitor for uh for Kutreva if she wants to pull off another upset absolutely and let's just have a quick look at the men's results from today we haven't had an awful lot of them so far i guess um let's quickly touch on on zverev because he was on an off court in a flash <laughs> yes. Se- 74 minutes uh absolutely thrashed albert ramos Vinolas. Uh, again very dominant on serve only lost nine points on serve and three of those i think were double faults so ramos Vinolas didn't really have an awful lot going on today is a challenge Zverev I'm afraid <laughs> and looking elsewhere we've got you know Riley Opelka you know was on one of what I think the only men's match who started the day he came through against Massetti in straight sets he's going to be another handful for someone down the road we also had Ivashka and Basilashvili both unseeded coming through Oscar Otter qualifier adding himself to that list so qualifiers really going well um, in round three he beat Dennis Cudler in straight sets and Matteo Berrettini again a player we've not really been talking about is you know how much can we really expect from him um, given his injury troubles in the in the build-up he came through Corentin Mute in four sets so of the completed matches so far yeah some some pretty pretty good results I mean a lot of yeah a lot of players coming through I think into round three who are unseeded and it still feels like it's we're getting some more dare I say some more exciting matchups at the women's side than necessarily on the men's side yeah, I definitely think the women's side have have the pull of the the kind of draws, and um, I'd hope to see more of them on in prime time going forwards, especially with those tantalising third round um, matches. I've just got a bit of Gail Monfils on my telly as we're <laughs> recording this. He's he has just um, in classic Gail Monfils style. He sort of fell over and was clutching at his hip and limping <laughs> back to his chair. Where's but he's Rublev? managed. Where's Rublev? Well, yeah. <laughs> He's managed to win the third set, so he's two sets to one up um, against Steve Johnson at the moment. But there could be a long way to go in that match. Uh, I think Yannick Sinner's a setup on uh, Spider, who's another qualifier. So um, that could uh, be an interesting one. 
And we also have, just looking at our results, Hubert Hercash, the 10th seed, is out. So Seppi oh. did come through that um, in a fourth set tie break. So uh, <laughs> Seppi, uh, Seppi is through. Hercash is out. Um, Lloyd Harris looks like it's going to be quite straightforward for him. He's two sets up on Ernesto Escobedo wildcard from the United States and a breakup in the third set. So that looks quite pain sailing for him. Um, and then Karatsev versus Jordan Thompson, Kim, that could be going mm. to a fifth set or in a fourth set tie break at the moment. That would be very interesting because Jordan Thompson was two sets up. So, and then we have Kadish Curry, Mackenzie McDonald, which I mean, I see, I see Nishikuri is a tight, is, is one set to the good and a break up in the second set. But I have a feeling Mackenzie McDonald will have more to say as that match progresses. Yeah, and tonight in the night session, we've got Djokovic against Griegspor and then Pliskova and Isimova. And then out on Armstrong, we've got Davis against Andrescu and Chapovalov against Carbeas Baina. So, I mean, I'm quite intrigued by Davis Andrescu because on her day, Lauren Davis is a right little, you know, fighter and, and can really throw, you know, she can really pack a punch. Um, and I'm just, I know Andrescu came through against Golly Bitch. It was a very close match. Um, but I do wonder if this is going to be another very close match. Um, I, I can see that being a bit of a ding dong. I mean, to be honest, I can see both of the the women's night matches being real epics uh, because Pliskova versus Anisimova. We spoke about that in our round one, round by round catch up because I was. That's going to be a real test, I think, for Pliskova because Anisimova is one of those players who has so much. I think we know has so much talent, but has been not been able to keep off the the injury you know the is is not been able to fight off the injuries too much of her career unfortunately so far but this really is i think the stage for her. i mean Arthur Ashe in a night session against the fourth seed if she wants to really you know announce herself i think and show you know remind us i think of all the talent that you know she's shown us previously this is the i think this is the moment to do that so i'm looking forward to that but i mean the the two men's matches you think they would be right, right routine for, for Djokovic and then Shapovalov. I know Shapovalov hasn't been in the greatest of form recently, but um, you'd still expect him to come through um, against RCB, not PCB, RCB. Yeah, I like how on our notes, Joel, you've written, move over PCB. <laughs> it's all about RCB. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, exactly, exactly. Everyone loves a good acronym, Kim. And the Spanish players give us so many, I have to say. <laughs> Talking about Spaniards, Joel, this week, there's a very special event going on. And oh, that is here the, we go. Here the we Rafa go. Nadal Challenger uh, in Manacor, you know, well, it, you know, yes, in Manacor at Rafa's uh, Academy. And, and Fernando Vadasco came through against Stefan Kozlov today. So that's, you know, the main the main result. Forget the US Open. <laughs> it's all about the Rafa Nadal oh, Challenger. God. I knew, I knew, I knew you were going to get that in somewhere. I knew we couldn't be exclusive to the US Open. We needed to fit in some challenger chat as well. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this latest round by round catch up from the passing shot. Remember, if you want to stay up to date on all the action at the US Open and I guess the Rafael Nadal challenger in Mallorca, then make sure to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Castbox, Stitcher and all good podcasting platforms out there. 
You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you want to show your support for the show, then why not leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts? And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Uh, you can get in touch with us on all those social channels as well um, or via email if you prefer, PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And you can also check out our website at www.thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back on Sunday at Passing Shot HQ to look back on all the action of round three, as well as previewing what's to come in week two at Flushing Meadow as part of our round by round coverage at the US Open. So I hope you can join us for that and we will see you again soon. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.